0: Good evening. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Briskey, and today we're going to talk with Justin Obrick, a Christian businessman who operates a number of Culver's restaurants in the Chicago metropolitan area. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We're Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration to religious freedom. You can learn more about us by going to malkbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on developments in
1: faith and the law. Justin, tell us a little bit about your business. Well, I own uh, four Culver's restaurants in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, in Tinley Park, Orland Park. Mattison and Homewood. Uh, been with Culver's for 18 years, and um, working on two other locations in the city.
0: What's it like to
1: own a restaurant, operate a restaurant? Well, that's changed a lot over the last 18 years. You know, initially, uh, I think I worked every day for the first year I was open, uh, 15, 16 hours a day. And continued that for probably the first three years with a day off here and there. And, um, you know, as got our people trained up and got great people around us by God's grace, you know, slowly kind of backed off of that a little bit and started to open more restaurants and taking a kind of more of an overseer type of role. So now, uh, by God's grace, uh, have great people, trustworthy people, honorable people, and uh, things are pretty, uh, pretty wonderful, actually.
0: Okay. Uh, What can you tell us about the challenges, though, of running your business in today's uh, financial environment?
1: Well, um, you know, the minimum wage can be a tough one, depending on who you are. Uh, I think there's a certain cutoff where if you're a big enough business, you can withstand that sort of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think the people who are going to really lose in that are the mom and pop shops and the poor uh, I think they're going to be in big trouble, but uh, some of the bigger restaurants and the bigger companies will probably be able to withstand that. Um, other than that, you know, business is pretty good, um, and uh, you know, finding good people I think is can be hard, but for us, it just seems like God's been really good to us.
0: Well, what about uh, financing? Is that is that a problem for small businesses?
1: Um, well, it's been a pretty tough road for me for the couple of new restaurants we're working on, but. Uh, They're kind of atypical as far as the average project goes, so I actually don't know how hard it should be or shouldn't be, but it seems like (laughs) it's harder than it should be right now.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, it's good to keep working on. And, uh, you know, you've told me that you're, in fact, I know, uh, because we have an attorney-client relationship, that you are a Christian businessman. How is that different from being an atheist or an agnostic who runs a business?
1: Well, I think the big difference is that... uh, Christian business owners are going to be held accountable by God. Uh, I firmly believe that uh, as Christian business owners, it's not just good enough for people to know that you're a Christian and you own the business. Uh, I think God's interested in making sure that we tell people how they can become Christians. And I think we'll be held accountable for every team member, every employee, supplier, maybe even our guests or clients. I think we'll be held accountable uh, for that and you know, you work with somebody for two years, three years, six years, seven years, business owner or not, I think, and you never share the gospel with them, I think Jesus will ask you about that. And so I think it's, uh, that's a big part of it, and sometimes that can be uh, a challenge. It can be hard, but I think you have to build that into your business. You have to build the gospel into your business, uh, both because you love the people you work for and the people you serve and because uh, you want to be obedient.
0: Good, good. And if I were one of your employees or, well, let's take employees first. uh, Why would it make a difference to me that you're a Christian?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, hopefully if I'm truly living out God's word, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have integrity. I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to do what I tell you I'm going to do. Uh, Secondarily, um, you're going to hear the gospel. um, You're going to see it in writing. You're going to see it on the wall of my restaurant. Uh, Hopefully you're going to see me live it out. Um, And um, I think those are probably the two biggest areas. Mm -hmm.
0: Is it important in terms of your employees that you compensate them fairly or make sure they can um, make a living from working for you?
1: Oh, well, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's one distinction to be made there, you know, the whole minimum wage thing, mm-hmm. you know, the minimum wage was never created to su- support a family. The minimum wage was created to allow people to have an entry level job and to get their start and to build their resume. So, you know, I don't pretend to say that everybody who works for me can go out and buy a house and support a family. Um, uh, when they just start working for me. But, you know, as far as my managers and up, yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it's fair to treat even the people who are, I think the people who are making minimum wage, they're being paid fairly as well because that's the skill level they're at.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, how can you afford to pay somebody more than they're worth? Absolutely. You, you know, and
1: so. I forget who said it, but the, the actual minimum wage is zero if you can't get a job. So, that's right. like I said, it's the poor and the unskilled and the migrants, they're the ones who are going to lose here, the people who don't have the skills to uh, to make the, the type of money to make the minimum wage worth paying them. So it's just, the, it's just the poor, as usual, that are going to lose in this. Yeah. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of
0: the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today we're speaking with Justin Obrick, a Christian businessman who owns and manages Culver's Restaurants in the Chicago area. Uh, what about uh, if I'm a... A customer or a supplier of yours how does it make a difference that uh, you are a Christian
1: well um, we're moving in that direction actually um, we're hoping to uh, I have a director of ministry at my restaurants uh, whose name is Caleb and uh, we're actually hoping to have him wear a pin that says can I pray for you and we're hoping that some of our guests will you know everything from wonder what that is to say yeah you can and go out in the dining room and pray for that person Um, and so we, we really, we've done a lot to make sure that our team members not only know that we're Christian, but to know, make sure they know the gospel, uh, make sure they know that hell is real and that's where they're going unless they repent and trust in the Lord. Um, but now we're starting to move and trying to figure out how we can convey that message to our guests and, and our suppliers.
0: Okay. And so you have a director of ministry. That's pretty unusual. I mean, I don't know of, uh, too many other businesses that, uh, that have that, um, did you uh, face any resistance when you wanted to appoint a director of ministry?
1: Well, I was an atheist my whole life. So of those 18 years I've been with Culver's, 12 of them were as a hardcore atheist. And so my whole team you know, kind of followed behind me. And so when the Lord saved me, um, that was a dramatic shift. And uh, when I started to move in the direction of turning these restaurants into ministries, which is our goal is to turn these restaurants into ministries, uh, yeah, there's was significant resistance, and there continues to be significant resistance from, you know, mostly everybody in my organization. <laughs> and we what the, the thing with that is is that, you know it's been six years since I've been saved, and you know, I kind of started out as a bulldog. and um, but now, by God's grace, I've kind of learned, you know, you need to be respectful, need to be patient, need to be gentle, need to be sensitive but without compromise. And so, you know, we're willing to fight those battles when the time is right. But, uh, we also don't just want to go in there and like a bull in a China shop and start throwing our weight around either with people who, you know, we've had respectful long-term relationships with that have been loyal and, yeah. uh, trustworthy and done a great job for us.
0: All right. And, uh, of course, uh, honesty and, and integrity are important, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, but, uh, you have a
1: Greater master uh to serve if, as a
0: christian right
1: amen amen very much so and I'm much more accountable to him than I am to any team member or guest or um, franchisor or anything like that so uh and uh with that being the case it's a it's a much higher bar too
0: yeah yeah and uh so uh what does your
1: director of of ministry do well he uh does a bible study uh every Tuesday night for the team members. Um, You know, he looks for every opportunity he can to start spiritual conversations and share the gospel with our team members. Um, He um, just handles anything that we're doing uh, regarding the ministry, which can change from week to week, month to month. We introduce new things from time to time, but he kind of takes care of all of those things. All right. And uh, you say you have a Bible study. Is it uh, compulsory? No, it's uh, it's voluntary. And so anybody can come every Tuesday night, 730. Whoever wants to show up can show up. And where do you hold those? In the dining room of one of the restaurants. All right. Yeah, Yeah. And
0: so that's, you know, your restaurant is open at that point, right? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, people are going to see you mm-hmm. and maybe wonder what it is that you're doing.
1: We hope so. We hope so. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: And uh, you say he's got a, uh, uh, your director of ministry has a a button on, can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. And do people ask him to pray?
1: It hasn't happened yet. This is that slow kind of process of being respectful and gentle where we kind of introduce the idea. And then, you know, sooner or later, hopefully, hopefully everybody says, yeah, that's okay. If they don't, then you just have to say, I'm sorry, but this is what's happening. And uh, so we haven't started that yet, okay. but uh, but we we hope to have that going here in the next month or so.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, coming up, we will talk further with Justin about his own personal testimony and coming to faith in the Messiah. I'm Witt Brisky of Malkin Baker, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. And uh, as I say, when we come back, we'll be talking to Justin about his personal testimony. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Witt Brisky, a partner of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Justin Obrick, a Christian businessman and operator of a number of Culver's restaurants in the Chicago metropolitan area. Justin, tell us a little bit about your own personal journey of faith and how you came to believe in Jesus as Messiah and Lord.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'll give a little preface to this. Uh, I'm a cessationist. I don't spiritualize things, and uh, but I don't I don't have any answers for my testimony, and uh, uh, I also it's don't think it's the norm, but uh, uh, I'm just going to tell you what happened. So I was uh, raised Catholic. Um, when I turned 16, uh, I just did not see any evidence of God in the Catholic Church. Just saw a lot of hypocrisy, and at that point, I said to myself, "Well, if God's not in the Catholic Church, with the 1.2 billion followers and the pope and the cathedrals and the vatican i said then then there is no god and uh, i didn't just mean christianity but buddhism hinduism i I said it's all a scam it's not real haven't seen any evidence of god i said i just don't believe it and so i became an atheist and so at that point you know all most of the people around me were christians and i said well If that's true, I can't in good conscience allow the people around me to keep reading this book and giving money to this church and going to this church and praying to this false God. And so from the goodness of my heart, for 20 years, I did everything I could to help people see that there was no God, uh, to try to help them to get away from what I saw as a crutch. And that uh, all came to an end, started to come to an end in December of 2011. I got this nagging cough that lasted for two months. Every day I thought it would go away, never went away. It culminated uh, in um, February 12, 2012, a couple months later, with a deep pain in both of my hips, the type of pain when you get the flu and your bones just ache, and I'm like, wow, I'm really getting sick. So three hours later, my tonsils are the size of golf balls. I'm sweating, but I'm freezing, and I can barely even stand up. So I, I go to bed. I wake up at midnight in a pool of sweat, wake up Monday morning, take a couple steps out of bed. It feels like I've been hit by a Mack truck. So I lay in bed all day Monday, all day Tuesday, uh, Wednesday around 2 in the afternoon. I finally decide I should go to the doctor and figure out what's been going on with me the last couple of months. So I go down to the Walgreens Quick Care Clinic on the corner of uh, Wells and North, and they give me all kinds of tests. And uh, it turns out that I have strep throat, so they give me penicillin. So I go to bed Thursday night. I wake up Friday morning. When I wake up Friday morning, I can instantly tell I just got the best night's sleep I'd ever had. And I'm a really good sleeper, but this was like something I'd never experienced before. So don't know what to make of it. Get out of bed, start walking around. And uh, I can I can tell that I feel overwhelmingly better than any other day in my life. Not better from being sick, but mentally, emotionally, and physically, I feel like a different person. And it's scary. I'm over I'm overwhelmed by it. So um. About an hour later, I'm standing by my elevator in my building on my way to yoga, which I now know to be demonic. And uh, all of a sudden, this intense tingling feeling comes all across my body. Best feeling I'd ever felt in my life. Never felt anything like it before. And I start thinking to myself, well, I drink filtered water. I eat organic food. I work out. I've been searching for truth my whole life. I've finally arrived. I am figure, hey, this is nirvana. I'm enlightened. I'm pretty much thinking I'm God at this point, okay? <laughs> so that good mental, emotional, and physical feeling lasts an entire month. I'm just floating on a cloud, and it, it all comes together. It all culminates on March 27, 2012. As I'm driving back from Miami by myself to Chicago, I get to Nashville at about 3 in the morning, which is about the halfway point, and I'm walking up to my hotel room door, and I'm telling myself I, sh- I should meditate because I hadn't meditated that day. Now, I had been meditating for like a month, nothing spiritual, uh, just clearing my mind, seeing what Oprah's talking about, all that kind of stuff. So get into my hotel room um, and I'm like, you know, I don't feel like it. So I go to pull the blankets back on the bed. And when I do, I catch a glimpse at the clock and it says that it's two in the morning instead of three in the morning. So takes me a minute, but I realize... That I crossed over into the new time zone. It's an hour earlier than I thought it was. I say, I'm just going to go meditate real quick. So I go down to the end of the bed, start meditating. About 10 minutes into meditating, I catch myself saying, to our fathers, to myself in my head. Now, I hadn't said a prayer at that point in 20 years. I was surprised I even remembered the words to it. So I don't think much of it. Five minutes later, I'm getting ready to uh, be done meditating. I open my eyes, and I'm telling myself, I'm going to meditate with my eyes open because it's a nice, dark, quiet hotel room. And when I open my eyes, there's this red light coming from inside the hotel room. And I just ignore it. Five minutes later, this red light starts to flash. And again, I don't even look at it, just keep looking straight ahead. Five minutes after that, I look to my left, and it turns out that it's one of those night lights that are built into like a hairdryer, the (laughs) two-in-one units they put into hotel rooms. And so I'm looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, well, why is this thing flashing now, but it wasn't flashing five minutes ago? And number two, why is it flashing at all? As I'm pondering all of that, all of a sudden, this intense tingling feeling comes all across my body again. Same one I felt the month earlier, except this one's 10 times stronger. All my hair standing up on end, and it's so strong that I feel like I'm going to get lifted off the bed. So again, I don't know what to make of it, so I go to bed with the light still flashing. Wake up the next morning, look at the light, the light's not flashing. I say, I'm going to stare at this light for 10 minutes, make sure I know what's going on here. So I go down to the end of the bed, stare at the light for 10 minutes, nothing happens. Go take a shower. Coming out of the shower, I say, all right, 10 more minutes, stare at this light. If nothing happens, I'll pack my stuff up and get up on the road. So go down to the end of the bed, staring at the light, three minutes in, no flashing. All of a sudden, this intense tingling feeling comes all across my body again, except this time it hits me in my heart that it's Jesus Christ visiting me. And I'm instantly bawling my eyes out. I have no idea why I'm crying. My atheist brain is scrambling for any other explanation other than what I know in my heart to be true. And so as I'm sitting there, I start kind of going into investigator mode a little bit, and I say to myself, well, how do I know this is Jesus? How do I know it's not Buddha or Allah or Hare Krishna or any number of things? And the first person that pops into my mind is my mom, who'd been a Christian for 15 years at that point. So I get in my car, get my mom on speakerphone, no other conversation. I say, mom, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? She goes on to tell me that about 10 years earlier, she had left the Catholic church because she realized they didn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were hurting people more than they were helping people. She said when she left the Catholic Church, she was inexplicably drawn to read the Bible for three hours a day for six months straight, and she said there's no other explanation, and that's when she repented of her sins and put her trust in Jesus and was born again. Five years later, the night she's getting divorced from my dad, worst night of her life, she's in a hotel bed crying her eyes out, and she says about the time she's going to have a mental breakdown, she catches herself staring at the red light on the alarm clock. And as soon as she says red light, this intense tingling feeling comes all across my body as I'm driving down the road. She says about the time she's going to have a mental breakdown, Uh, As she's staring at the red light, she describes it as this intense lightness. It comes across her entire body and washes all of her cares and all of her fears away. And it it was at that point that I realized that the feeling that she was describing was the same feeling I felt that day, the night before, and the month earlier. And that God had me call my mom so that this thick-headed atheist would finally figure out what's going on in the world. And it was at that exact moment that I knew that Jesus was God and that I would spend the rest of my life serving him. And I cried for 14 hours straight because I could not believe that the God of the universe would save this wretched, vile sinner who had been telling everybody that would listen for 20 years that he didn't exist. And I was wrecked by God's grace, and I'm still wrecked by God's grace today. And um, I just praise Jesus for all that he's done for me.
0: Wow. Thank you, Justin. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking talking with Christian restaurant owner Justin Obrick about how his faith makes a difference in his business. Now, we have just a couple of minutes left, uh, but are there any special challenges that, that Christian businesses face that are not faced by secular businesses?
1: Well, I think it depends on the type of business you're in. If you're a baker, obviously there's been some problems. You know, if you uh, if you're involved in the wedding industry at all, you're gonna you could be targeted. Um, and uh, but I think you know any business owner that's a Christian that's truly living out his or her faith and is truly uh, obeying the Great Commission and being obedient to God's word. Uh, it's only a matter of time until you face persecution. The Bible tells us that those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not if or maybe or sometimes, but if you're truly living for Christ and you're telling people because you love them and you're warning them about hell. Because to not warn somebody about hell is just flat out hate. And you know, so if you're sugarcoating the gospel and you're you're kind of dancing around the hard things and tickling people's ears, you might be okay, but. If you truly love people and you want to be obedient to God's word, then you'll tell them the truth. And the truth is offensive. And you're going to run into problems when you do that. Uh, but you'll be more blessed in heaven because even the prophets were, uh, were treated in that way. So,
0: Well, you know, uh, it's important, I- I'll say, you know, for my commercial that you have uh, good legal advice uh, when you're uh, any kind of businessman, but especially a Christian businessman. And would you think it's important to have a, a good
1: Christian lawyer to advise you? Absolutely. There's been already a few times, wit as you know, where I've called you up and said, "Hey, what about this? Or what about that? Can I do this? Can I do that?" And you know, and, and those are just the preemptive things. But you know, we can be caught off guard with any number of things. And to be able to, as you and I do wit sometimes, just on our regular calls about business or whatever, we pray at the end. We pray at the beginning. You know, you know, you've got a lawyer you can trust. Um, if he's if he if he's desiring to uh, love the Lord, uh, so all of those things just give you a great sense of uh, of, um, of 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 security of knowing that you're talking to somebody who who you can trust and who loves the Lord. It's a huge deal.
0: Okay, thank you, Justin, and we appreciate Justin for coming in today. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners uh, or a place that you think they ought to go to? Uh learn more about uh, being a Christian in the business community?
1: I think being a Christian business owner, you need to have good theology. And uh, if you want to have good theology, one of the best places you can go is John MacArthur's website, grace Uh Every sermon he's ever preached is on there, 4,000 sermons. And uh, you need to have good theology or you're going to be pushed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and you're going to be pushed around by the world. Thanks, Justin. If you have a legal
0: need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243, again at 312-726-1243, or at Malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R rcom com. Malkin Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses. And individuals with their legal needs call us and mention lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation
1: gonna have to save somebody yes you're gonna have to save somebody. Yes,